50. Quotes. In lieu of a further reading list, the following is a collection of my favorite quotes on the subjects of voluntarism and economics, from authors whose works would have been included in such a list. Taxes are at no level of taxation consistent with individual freedom and property rights. Taxes are theft. The thieves, the state and its agents and allies, try their very best to conceal this fact, of course, but there is simply no way around it. Obviously, taxes are not normal, voluntary payments for goods and services, because you are not allowed to stop such payments if you are not satisfied with the product. You are not punished if you no longer buy Renault cars or Chanel perfume, but you are thrown into jail if you stop paying for government schools or universities or for Mr. Sarkozy and his pomp. Nor is it possible to construe taxes as normal rent payments, as they are made by a renter to his landlord. Because the French state is not the landlord of all of France and all Frenchmen. To be the landlord, the French state would have to be able to prove two things. First, that the state, and no one else, owns every inch of France, and second, that it has a rental contract with every single Frenchman concerning the use, and the price for this use, of its property. No state, not the French, not the German, not the US, American or any other state, can prove this. They have no documents to this effect and they cannot present any rental contract. Thus, there is only one conclusion. Taxation is theft and robbery by which one segment of the population, the ruling class, enriches itself at the expense of another, the ruled. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., The Great Fiction, 2021, Mises Institute, page 519. For a minority cannot lastingly rule a majority solely by brute force. It must rule by opinion. The majority of the population must be brought to voluntarily accept your rule. This is not to say that the majority must agree with every one of your measures. Indeed, it may well believe that many of your policies are mistaken. However, it must believe in the legitimacy of the institution of the state as such, and hence that even if a particular policy may be wrong, such a mistake is an accident that one must tolerate in view of some greater good provided by the state. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., The Great Fiction, 2021, Mises Institute, page 4. As widespread as the standard view regarding the necessity of the institution of a state as the provider of law and order is, it stands in clear contradiction to elementary economic and moral laws and principles. First of all, among economists and philosophers two near-universally accepted propositions exist. One. Every monopoly is bad from the viewpoint of consumers. Monopoly is here understood in its classic meaning as an exclusive privilege granted to a single producer of a commodity or service, or as the absence of free entry into a particular line of production. Only one agency, A, may produce a given good or service, X. Such a monopoly is bad for consumers because, shielded from potential new entrants into a given area of production, the price of the product will be higher and its quality lower than otherwise, under free competition. 2. The production of law and order, i.e., of security, is the primary function of the state, as just defined. 
Security is here understood in the wide sense adopted in the American Declaration of Independence, as the protection of life, property, and the pursuit of happiness from domestic violence, crime, as well as external, foreign, aggression, war. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., The Great Fiction, 2021, Mises Institute, page 190. It was to a large extent the inflated price of justice and the perversions of ancient law by the kings which motivated the historical opposition to monarchy. However, confusion as to the causes of this phenomenon prevailed. There were those who recognized correctly that the problem lay with monopoly, not with elites or nobility. But they were far outnumbered by those who erroneously blamed it on the elitist character of the rulers instead and who accordingly strove to maintain the monopoly of law and law enforcement and merely replaced the king and the visible royal pomp by the people and the presumed modesty and decency of the common man. Hence the historic success of democracy. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., Democracy, The God That Failed, 2001, 2017, Routledge, page 72. Once the premise of government is accepted, Liberals are left without argument when socialists pursue this premise to its logical end. If monopoly is just, then centralization is just. If taxation is just, then more taxation is also just. And if democratic equality is just, then the expropriation of private property owners is just, too, while private property is not. Indeed, what can a liberal say in favor of less taxation and redistribution? Without moral argument at his disposal, a liberal is left only with the tool of cost-benefit analysis, but any such analysis must involve an interpersonal comparison of utility, and such a comparison is impossible, scientifically impermissible. Liberals will have to recognize that no government can be contractually justified. Private property anarchism is simply consistent liberalism. Liberalism thought through to its ultimate conclusion, or liberalism restored to its original intent. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., Democracy, The God That Failed, 2001, 2017, Routledge, pages 234-236. W. E. Human beings, as social animals, need individual freedom to fully flourish. The equation is simple. Individual freedom equals social cooperation equals individual and social flourishing. Many corollaries follow. To pick one, the freedom to choose with whom we will cooperate entails competition among those who wish to cooperate with any given individual. Sheldon Richman, What Social Animals Owe to Each Other, 2020, Libertarian Institute. When you see that trading is done, not by consent, but by compulsion, when you see that in order to produce. You need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing, when you see that money is flowing to those who deal. Not in goods, but in favors, when you see that men get richer by graft and by pull than by work, and your laws don't protect you against them, but protect them against you, when you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice, you may know that your society is doomed. Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, 1957, Random House, page 413. 
Anyone who initiates the use of force against another human being is in that moment, acting like a dictator. Ayn Rand, on, The Phil Donahue Show. Capitalism has been called a system of greed. Yet it is the system that raised the standard of living of its poorest citizens to heights no collectivist system has ever begun to equal, and no tribal gang can conceive of. Ayn Rand, Global Balkanization, from a lecture given at Boston's Ford Hall Forum, April 1977. When I say, capitalism, I mean a full, pure, uncontrolled, unregulated laissez-faire capitalism, with a separation of state and economics, in the same way and for the same reasons as the separation of state and church. Ayn Rand, The Objectivist Ethics, from a lecture given at the University of Wisconsin, Feb. 1961. America's abundance was not created by public sacrifices to the common good, but by the productive genius of free men who pursued their own personal interests and the making of their own private fortunes. They did not starve the people to pay for America's industrialization. They gave the people better jobs, higher wages, and cheaper goods with every new machine they invented, with every scientific discovery or technological advance and thus the whole country was moving forward and profiting, not suffering, every step of the way. Ayn Rand, what is capitalism? In Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal, 1966, New American Library, page 29. The smallest minority on earth is the individual. Those who deny individual rights, cannot claim to be defenders of minorities. Ayn Rand, America's persecuted minority, Big Business, in Capitalism, The Unknown Ideal, 1966, New American Library, page 61. A businessman cannot force you to buy his product. If he makes a mistake, he suffers the consequences. If he fails, he takes the loss. A bureaucrat forces you to obey his decisions, whether you agree with him or not, and the more advanced the stage of a country's statism, the wider and more discretionary the powers wielded by a bureaucrat. If he makes a mistake, you suffer the consequences. If he fails, he passes the loss on to you, in the form of heavier taxes. Ayn Rand, from my, future file, in the Ayn Rand lexicon, 1988, Penguin. Free trade in labor, like trade in goods and services, frees existing Americans to do what's in their comparative advantage. In fact, the basic economic case for free trade in labor really isn't different than that for trade in goods and services. Economists are in nearly universal agreement that free trade promotes national wealth. Benjamin Powell, Ph.D., An Economic Case for Immigration, Econ Lib., June 2010. The libertarian insists that whether or not such practices are supported by the majority of the population is not germane to their nature that, regardless of popular sanction, war is mass murder, conscription is slavery, and taxation is robbery. Murray N. Rothbard, Ph.D., for A New Liberty, 1973-2006, Mises Institute, page 29. The rapid economic advance that we have come to expect seems in a large measure to be the result of this inequality and to be impossible without it. Progress at such a fast rate cannot proceed on a uniform front, but must take place in echelon fashion. 
At any stage of this process there will always be many things we already know how to produce, but which are still too expensive to provide for more than a few. All the conveniences of a comfortable home. Of our means of transportation and communication. Of entertainment and enjoyment, we could produce at first only in limited quantities, but it was in doing this that we gradually learned to make the more similar things at a much smaller outlay of resources and thus became able to supply them to the great majority. A large part of the expenditure of the rich, though not intended for that end, thus serves to defray the cost of the experimentation with the new things that, as a result, can later be made available to the poor. Friedrich A. Hayek, Ph.D., The Constitution of Liberty, 1978, 2011, University of Chicago Press, pages 96-97. In order for the state to function, the mass of the people has to believe in its legitimacy. To that end, the state employs a class of professional apologists and controls the means of propaganda, often through dominance of the education system. The task of the state apologist is, to convince the public that what the state does is not crime on a gigantic scale, but something necessary and vital that must be supported and obeyed. In return for their services, the apologists are rewarded with power and status and allowed to share in the booty obtained from the masses. Gerard Casey, Ph.D., Libertarian Anarchy, Against the State, 2012, Continuum International Publishing Group, page 27. If all human beings are intrinsically power-hungry and savage, how can we solve our problems by giving ultimate law-making and law-enforcing authority to one particular group of such appalling animals? The libertarian anarchist contention is not that under anarchy things would be perfect, but that they would be better than they now are. Gerard Casey, Ph.D., Libertarian Anarchy, Against the State, 2012, Continuum International Publishing Group, pages 74-75. The heart of the liberal philosophy is a belief in the dignity of the individual, in his freedom to make the most of his capacities and opportunities according to his own lights, subject only to the proviso that he not interfere with the freedom of other individuals to do the same. This implies a belief in the equality of men in one sense in their inequality in another. Each man has an equal right to freedom. This is an important and fundamental right precisely because men are different, because one man will want to do different things with his freedom than another, and in the process can contribute more than another to the general culture of the society in which many men live. Milton Friedman, Ph.D., Capitalism and Freedom, 1962-2002, University of Chicago Press, page 195. I'm not scared of the Maos and the Stalins and the Hitlers. I'm scared of the thousands or millions of people that hallucinate him to be authority, and so do their bidding, and pay for their empires, and carry out their orders. I don't care if there's one loony with a stupid moustache. He's not a threat if the people do not believe in authority. Larkin Rose author of The Most Dangerous Superstition. Over the years I've realized that the best measure of someone's political beliefs is what makes their blood boil. What do they demonstrate that they care the most about? If it's evil tyranny, they're usually an ally. If it's nonsense, then they're usually useless. Dave Smith, 
host of the Part of the Problem podcast. What are presented as the strongest arguments against anarchism are invariably descriptions of the status quo. Michael Malice, author of The New Right. The moral parity thesis the conditions under which a person may, in self-defense or the defense of others, deceive, lie to, sabotage, attack, or kill a fellow civilian, or destroy private property, are also conditions under which a civilian may do the same to a government agent, acting ex officio, or government property. The moral parity thesis holds that justifying self-defense or the defense of others against government agents is on par with justifying self-defense or the defense of others against civilians. Jason Brennan, Ph.D., When All Else Fails, The Ethics of Resistance to State Injustice, 2019, Princeton University Press, page 11. This book addresses the foundational problem of political philosophy the problem of accounting for the authority of government. This authority has always struck me as puzzling and problematic. Why should 535 people in Washington be entitled to issue commands to 300 million others? And why should the others obey? Michael Humer, Ph.D., The Problem of Political Authority, An Examination of the Right to Coerce and the Duty to Obey, 2013, Palgrave Macmillan, Page XXVII. The illegitimacy of the state rests on the fact that it exercises control over resources that its agents never acquired through original appropriation or voluntary exchange, and it does so without the consent of the rightful owners of said resources. Christopher Chase Rachel's Spontaneous Order The Capitalist Case for a Stateless Society, 2015, Create Space Independent Publishing Platform, page 15. This is one of the places that the people who are pro-socialist go very wrong, in thinking that profit is a thing that you find in capitalism, and it's not a thing you find in socialism. Profit-seeking is a function of the human being. As long as you have human beings, you're going to have profit-seeking behavior. The difference between capitalism and socialism isn't that one has profit and the other doesn't. They both have profit, It's just that socialism pretends that it doesn't by preventing you from measuring it, but it's still there. I think it's important here, and this applies to both systems, socialism or capitalism, to make a distinction between voluntary and involuntary profit. Voluntary profit is what comes about when I, a business, offer you a product that you like so much you're willing voluntarily to hand over your money in exchange for the product. Now if you're willing to do that and I'm willing to offer the product, by definition we're both better off. And sir, the profit that I make is a sign that I have made you better off. How do I know I've made you better off? Because if I hadn't made you better off, you wouldn't have given me the money in the first place. That's voluntary profit. Involuntary profit is when I co-opt the government to take the money from you and give it to me. Now here I have an accumulation of dollars. It's the same pile of dollars that you have with voluntary profit, but I came about them in a very different way. I came about them not by providing you with something that makes you happy. I came about them because I could cause somebody else to strong-arm you to give it to me. Involuntary profit is a big problem. Anthony Davies, Ph.D., Professor of Economics at Duquesne University, from an episode of Keith Knight's Don't Tread on Anyone podcast. 
What causes poverty? Nothing. It's the original state, the default and starting point. The real question is, what causes prosperity? Per Byland, PhD, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Oklahoma State University. Capitalism puts human creativity to the service of humanity by respecting and encouraging entrepreneurial innovation. That elusive factor that explains the difference between the way we live now and how generation after generation after generation of our ancestors lived prior to the 19th century. Capitalism is not just about people trading butter for eggs in local markets, which has gone on for millennia. It's about adding value through the mobilization of human energy and ingenuity on a scale never seen before in human history, to create wealth for common people that would have dazzled and astonished the richest and most powerful kings, sultans, and emperors of the past. It's about the erosion of long-entrenched systems of power, domination, and privilege, and the opening of careers to talent. It's about the replacement of force by persuasion. It's about the replacement of envy by accomplishment. It's about what has made my life possible, and yours. Free markets, understood as systems of free exchange among persons with well-defined, legally secure, and transferable rights in scarce resources, are a necessary condition for the wealth of the modern world. But as economic historians, most notably Deirdre McCloskey, have convincingly shown, they are not sufficient. Something else is needed, an ethics of free exchange and of wealth production through innovation. Tom G. Palmer, Ph.D., The Morality of Capitalism, What Your Professors Won't Tell You, 2011, Jameson Books, Inc., pages 2-4. It is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker, that we expect our dinner, but from their regard to their own interest. We address ourselves not to their humanity but to their self-love, and never talk to them of our necessities but of their advantages. Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, Book 4, Chapter 2, 1776. The norm required to reach the above conclusion is this. Whenever it can somehow be proven that the production of a particular good or service has a positive effect on someone but would not be produced at all or would not be produced in a definite quantity or quality unless others participated in its financing. Then the use of aggressive violence against these persons is allowed, either directly or indirectly with the help of the state, and these persons may be forced to share in the necessary financial burden. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., A Theory of Socialism and Capitalism, 2010, Mises Institute, page 233. Unfortunately, in the case of politics the information problem is much worse than it is in the market. Consider the following example of individual behavioral incentives in a private market choice. In purchasing an automobile, I invest a certain amount of time and resources in learning about new cars, for the simple reason that I know a mistake will directly affect me and my wallet, convenience, and comfort. C. You stomers will be if not perfectly informed, at least better informed than the voter. We must accept that in government, as in any form of commerce, people will pursue their private interests, and they will achieve goals reasonably closely related to those of company stockholders or of citizens only if it is in their private interest to do so. G. Tulloch, A. 
Selden, and G. Brady, Government Failure, A Primer in Public Choice, 2002, Cato Institute, pages 6, 10. A growing number of scholars contend that government should have no role whatever in crime protection or dispute resolution. Their argument is an appealing one, stressing the advantages of freedom of choice and competition, the cost-minimizing incentives of profit-seekers, the avoidance of the commons problem, and the benefits of specialization. This point of view stresses the efficiency and effectiveness of supply by private producers relative to supply by public producers. Bruce L. Benson, Ph.D., The Enterprise of Law, 1990, 2011, Independent Institute, page 252. Political behavior is largely driven by coalition loyalty. Wanting to appear loyal to the groups around us. It's also in many ways a performance. Politics, like religion, is a team sport. Some treat expressive voting as an act of consumption, something we do in order to feel good, without concern for external benefits. In this view, Voting is seen as providing a psychological reward. Like getting to affirm one's identity, or feel a sense of belonging. Benefits come not from voting per se, but rather from all the activities surrounding the election, like attending rallies, posting to social media, and watching election coverage with friends and family. Robin Hansen, Ph.D. And Kevin Simler, The Elephant in the Brain, 2020, Oxford University Press, pages 292-295. A change in how people honored markets and innovation caused the Industrial Revolution, and then the modern world. The old conventional wisdom, by contrast, has no place for attitudes about trade and innovation, and no place for liberal thought. People had to start liking, creative destruction, the new idea that replaces the old. It was ideas, or rhetoric, that caused our enrichment. Deirdre N. McCloskey, Ph.D., Liberty and Dignity Explain the Modern World, in Tom G. Palmer, ed. The Morality of Capitalism, 2011, Jameson Books, pages 27-30. The soul-crushing misery, the mass exodus to get out, the endless broken promises so endemic to socialism simply cannot be dismissed as the failures of a few bad people. There's something rotten in the system itself. Indeed, the very ideas from which it springs are rotten. At socialism's core is end justifies the means, moral relativist, anti-individual and collectivist rubbish. Bad people are everywhere but nothing brings them forth and licenses them to do evil more thoroughly than concentrated power and the subordination of morality to the service of a statist ideology. That is the essence of the socialist vision, the iron fist within the velvet glove that belies all the happy talk to the contrary. Lawrence W. Reed, economist, historian, and think tank president. The Jimmy Dore type of leftist, the ones who are anti-state, but also support social safety nets, could have most to everything they want in an anarchist society in the form of mutual aid societies. Those are the types of leftists that are worth reaching out to, unlike neoliberals. A Sarkist, guest speaker at the Libertarian Institute. As long as the state exists, 
you will never properly be able to answer, who watches the watchman? A. Sarkist. The transformation of charity into legal entitlement has produced donors without love and recipients without gratitude. Antonin Scalia, United States Supreme Court Justice. One of the great non-sequiturs of the left is that if the free market doesn't work perfectly, then it doesn't work at all, and the government should step in. Thomas Sowell, Ph.D., Professor of Economics at Cornell University. The first lesson of economics is scarcity. There's never enough of anything to satisfy all those who want it. The first lesson of politics is to disregard the first lesson of economics. Thomas Sowell, Ph.D. The reason so many people misunderstand so many issues is not that these issues are so complex, but that people do not want a factual or analytical explanation that leaves them emotionally unsatisfied. They want villains to hate and heroes to cheer, and they don't explanations that don't give them that. Thomas Sowell, Ph.D. Competition does a much more effective job than government at protecting consumers. Thomas Sowell, Ph.D. If a foreigner wants to accept a job offer from a willing employer, or rent an apartment from a willing landlord, what moral right does anyone have to stop them? These are contracts between consenting adults, not welfare programs. Brian Kaplan, Ph.D., Open Borders, The Science and Ethics of Immigration, 2019, First Second Books, page 16. The Socialist Society would have to forbid capitalist acts between consenting adults. Robert Nozick, Ph.D., Anarchy, State, and Utopia, 1974. 2013, Basic Books, page 163. From each as they choose, to each as they are chosen. Robert Nozick, Ph.D., Anarchy, State, and Utopia, 1974, 2013, Basic Books, page 158. It is true that in the beginning men submit under constraint and by force but those who come after them obey without regret and perform willingly what their predecessors had done because they had to. This is why men born under the yoke and then nourished and reared in slavery are content, without further effort, to live in their native circumstance, unaware of any other state or right, and considering as quite natural the condition into which they are born. The powerful influence of custom is in no respect more compelling than in this, namely, habituation to subjection. Etienne de la Boétie, The Politics of Obedience, The Discourse on Voluntary Servitude, 1577-1975, Mises Institute, page 54. Briefly, the state is that organization in society which attempts to maintain a monopoly of the use of force and violence in a given territorial area. In particular, it is the only organization in society that obtains its revenue not by voluntary contribution or payment for services rendered, but by coercion. While other individuals or institutions obtain their income by production of goods and services and by the peaceful and voluntary sale of these goods and services to others, the state obtains its revenue by the use of compulsion, that is, by the use and the threat of the jailhouse and the bayonet. Murray N. Rothbard, Ph.D., Anatomy of the State, 1974, 2009, Mises Institute, pages 11 to 12.
The problem with political decisions isn't that most of us don't get our own way. It's also that these decisions are usually imposed on us against our will, by threats of violence. Democracy, as we practice it, is unjust. We expose innocent people to high degrees of risk because we put their fate in the hands of ignorant, misinformed, irrational, biased, and sometimes immoral decision-makers. Jason Brennan, Ph.D., Against Democracy, 2016, Princeton University Press, pages 230, 240. Someone asked me the other day if I believe in conspiracies. Well sure, here's one. It is called the political system. It is nothing if not a giant conspiracy to rob, trick and subjugate the population. Jeffrey A. Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Unobtainable perfection when the arguments for and against courses of action are assessed, it is important to remember that the choice has to be made from the available alternatives. All of them might be criticized for their imperfections, as might the status quo. Unless one of the options is perfect, the imperfections of the others are insufficient grounds for rejection. The fallacy of unobtainable perfection is committed when lack of perfection is urged as a basis for rejection, even though none of the alternatives is perfect either. Madsen Piri, PhD, How to Win Every Argument, The Use and Abuse of Logic, 2006, Continuum International Publishing Group, page 171. What is considered theft in the private sector is, taxation, when done by the state. What is kidnapping in the private sector is, selective service, in the public sector. What is counterfeiting when done in the private sector is, monetary policy, when done by the public sector. What is mass murder in the private sector is, foreign policy, in the public sector. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, page 42. Free markets are not just about generating profits, productivity, and efficiency. They aren't just about spurring innovation and competition. They are about the right of individuals to make autonomous choices and contracts, to pursue lives that fulfill their dreams even if these dreams are not approved by their government masters. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, page 30. There will always be those who claim to have special rights over the rest of society, and the state is the most organized attempt to get away with it. To focus on these people as a unique problem is not an obsession, but the working out of intellectual responsibility. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, page 43. What is the state? It is the group within society that claims for itself the exclusive right to rule everyone under a special set of laws that permit it to do to others what everyone else is rightly prohibited from doing, namely aggressing against person and property. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, page she. T. Here can be no more blatant case of involuntary servitude than our entire system of conscription. What else is involuntary servitude if not the draft? Murray N. Rothbard, Ph.D., 
for a new liberty, 1973, 2006, Mises Institute, page 98. So, this is the essential paradox of regulation. To favor increasing regulation, you have to think the unorganized mass of consumers, taxpayers, and common public will generally be more effective in lobbying for their interests than organized, highly motivated special interest groups who keep offices in Washington, D.C. You have to think that the people who enjoy concentrated benefits and can spread their costs onto others will be less effective than the masses who suffer from diffused costs. Jason Brennan, Ph.D., Why It's Okay to Want to Be Rich, 2021, Routledge, page 100. The term, property rights, is used to refer to a bundle of rights that could include rights to sell, lend, bequeath, and so on. In what follows, I use the phrase to refer primarily to the right of owners to exclude non-owners. Private owners have the right to exclude non-owners, but the right to exclude is a feature of property rights in general rather than the defining feature of private ownership in particular. The National Park Service claims a right to exclude. Communes claim a right to exclude non-members. David Schmitz, Ph.D., The Institution of Property, Social Philosophy and Policy 11, 1994, pages 42-62. to Political Authority Hereafter, just, authority, is the hypothesized moral property in virtue of which governments may coerce people in certain ways not permitted to anyone else and in virtue of which citizens must obey governments in situations in which they would not be obligated to obey anyone else. Authority, then, has two aspects. I, political legitimacy, the right, on the part of a government, to make certain sorts of laws and enforce them by coercion against the members of its society, in short, the right to rule. e. Political obligation, the obligation on the part of citizens to obey their government, even in circumstances in which one would not be obligated to obey similar commands issued by a non-governmental agent. Michael Humer, Ph.D., The Problem of Political Authority, An Examination of the Right to Coerce and the Duty to Obey, 2013, Palgrave Macmillan, page 5. The scientific problem in explaining modern economic growth is its astonishing magnitude. Anywhere from a 3,000 to a 10,000% increase in real income, great enrichment. Investment, reallocation, property rights, exploitation cannot explain it. Only the bettering of betterment can, the stunning increase in new ideas, such as the screw propeller on ships or the ball bearing in machines, the modern university for the masses and careers open to talent. Why, then, the new and trade-tested ideas? Because liberty to have a go, as the English say, and a dignity to the wig makers and telegraph operators having the go made the mass of people bold. Equal liberty and dignity for ordinary people is called liberalism and it was new to Europe in the 18th century, against old hierarchies. Why the liberalism? It was not deep European superiorities, but the accidents of the four R's of German, Reformation, Dutch, Revolt, American and French, Revolution, and Scottish and Scandinavian, Reading. It could have gone the other way, leaving, say, China to have the great enrichment, much later. Europe, and then the world, was lucky after 1900. 
Now China and India have adopted liberalism, in the Chinese case only in the economy, and are catching up. Deirdre N. McCloskey, Ph.D., The Great Enrichment, A Humanistic and Social Scientific Account, 2016, Scandinavian Economic History Review, page 1. Advocates for capitalism claim that, unlike in politics, markets, work, even if people are self-interested, because the dynamics of competition limit bad actions. The reason that we tolerate, or in some cases celebrate, capitalism is that entrepreneurs find ways to produce new products, new services, or new ways of making things that make consumers better off. Many of us would pay far more than the store price for clean water, wholesome food, cars that run for 200,000 miles, or cell phones that connect us to the entire world. Entrepreneurs think up the new goods or services, and competition drives down the price. The result is that many products not available even to the very wealthy in 1900 are now owned by all but the poorest among us. Michael Munger, Ph.D., Is Capitalism Sustainable? 2019, American Institute for Economic Research. The impetus for this book is libertarianism. The basic premise of this philosophy is that it is illegitimate to engage in aggression against non-aggressors. What is meant by aggression is not assertiveness, argumentativeness, competitiveness, adventurousness, quarrelsomeness, or antagonism. What is meant by aggression is the use of violence, such as that which takes place in murder, rape, robbery, or kidnapping. Libertarianism does not imply pacifism. It does not forbid the use of violence in defense or even in retaliation against violence. Libertarian philosophy condemns only the initiation of violence, the use of violence against a nonviolent person or his property. Walter Block, Ph.D., Defending the Undefendable, 1976, 2018, Mises Institute, page she. What voters don't know could fill a university library. In the last few decades, economists who study politics have thrown fuel on the fire by pointing out that, selfishly speaking, voters are not making a mistake. One vote has so small a probability of affecting electoral outcomes that a realistic egoist pays no attention to politics. He chooses to be, in economic jargon, rationally ignorant. Brian Kaplan, Ph.D., The Myth of the Rational Voter, Why Democracies Choose Bad Policies, 2007, Cato Institute, page 3. In theory, democracy is a bulwark against socially harmful policies. In practice, however, democracies frequently adopt and maintain policies that are damaging. How can this paradox be explained? The influence of special interests and voter ignorance are two leading explanations. I offer an alternative story of how and why democracy fails. The central idea is that voters are worse than ignorant. They are, in a word, irrational, and they vote accordingly. Despite their lack of knowledge, voters are not humble agnostics. Instead, they confidently embrace a long list of misconceptions. Economic policy is the primary activity of the modern state. And if there is one thing that the public deeply misunderstands, it is economics. People do not grasp the invisible hand of the market, with its ability to harmonize private greed and the public interest. 
I call this anti-market bias. They underestimate the benefits of interaction with foreigners. I call this anti-foreign bias. They equate prosperity not with production, but with employment. I call this make-work bias. Finally, they are overly prone to think that economic conditions are bad and getting worse. I call this pessimistic bias. In the minds of many, Winston Churchill's famous aphorism cuts the conversation short. Democracy is the worst form of government, except all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. But this saying overlooks the fact that governments vary in scope as well as form. In democracies the main alternative to majority rule is not dictatorship, but markets. A better understanding of voter irrationality advises us to rely less on democracy and more on the market. Brian Kaplan, Ph.D., The Myth of the Rational Voter, Why Democracies Choose Bad Policies, 2007, Cato Institute, page 1. Socialism must be conceptualized as an institutionalized interference with or aggression against private property and private property claims. Capitalism, on the other hand, is a social system based on the explicit recognition of private property and of non-aggressive, contractual exchanges between private property owners. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., A Theory of Socialism and Capitalism, 2010, Mises Institute, page 10. This idea that individuals can be and should be sacrificed for the greater good is the essence of the fascist, socialist, collectivist philosophy. For many intellectuals, the attractiveness of socialism is that it is rational, it is a planned economy, planned by people like them. Thomas J. Di Lorenzo, Ph.D., The Problem with Socialism, 2016, Renieri Publishing, pages 68, 121. One of the great virtues of an economic order that directs, self-seeking, individuals to discover and pursue profitable relations with, strangers, is that the resulting wider net of economic relations systematically undercuts the hostility that almost all of us initially feel towards members of different clans, castes, nationalities or religions. Mutually beneficial economic interaction among self-seeking individuals enhances tolerance, at least by shifting attention away from differences that people find hard to tolerate. This point about how trade relationships foster tolerant cosmopolitanism was, of course, most famously conveyed in Voltaire's description of the London Stock Exchange, e. nter the Exchange of London, that place more respectable than many a court, and you will see their agents from all nations assembled for the utility of mankind. There the Jew, the Mohammedan, and the Christian deal with one another as if they were the same religion, and give the name of infidel only to those who go bankrupt. Eric Mack, Ph.D., in Defense of Individualism, in Ethical Theory and Moral Practice, 1999. The direct use of physical force is so poor a solution to the problem of limited resources that it is commonly employed only by small children and great nations. Cooperation occurs either when several individuals perceive that they more easily can achieve a common end jointly than individually or when they find that they more easily can achieve their different ends by cooperating through trade. Each helping the others achieve their ends in exchange for their helping him achieve his. David D. 
Friedman, Ph.D., The Machinery of Freedom, Guide to a Radical Capitalism, 1973, 2015, Create Space Independent Publishing Platform, page 4. Capitalism is essentially a system of mass production for the satisfaction of the needs of the masses. It pours a horn of plenty upon the common man. It has raised the average standard of living to a height never dreamed of in earlier ages. It has made accessible to millions of people enjoyments which a few generations ago were only within the reach of a small elite. Ludwig von Mises, Ph.D., The Anti-Capitalist Mentality, 1956, 2008, Mises Institute, page 49. The religion of authority is based on the illusion and falsehood that some are masters who may set arbitrary dictates which are not based in morality and enforced by violence, while others are slaves who have a moral obligation to obey the arbitrary dictates set by the masters. And the biggest manifestation of this universal world religion called the belief in authority is government. Mark Passio, founder of whatonearthishappening.com The painful truth the order follower always bears more moral culpability than the order giver, because the order follower is the one who actually performed the action, and in taking that action, actually brought the resultant harm into physical manifestation. Mark Passio Why do we owe it to others not to aggress against them? I would respond along these lines, because we individually should treat other persons respectfully, that is, as ends in themselves and not merely as means to our own ends. Non-aggression is an implication of the obligation to treat persons respectfully, as ends in themselves and not merely as means. Long concludes, a truly human life, then, will be a life characterized by reason and intelligent cooperation. Sheldon Richman, What Social Animals Owe to Each Other, 2020, Libertarian Institute. There are several ways to prove that government cannot possibly be legitimate, never has been, and never will be. For example, people obviously cannot delegate rights they do not have themselves. If you do not have the right to rob your neighbor on your own, then you can't possibly give such a right to some public official, nor can anyone else. No election, no constitution, no political process can make robbery and extortion moral and righteous, even if politicians first do a bunch of complicated pseudo-religious rituals, and then call the robbery law and taxation. Larkin Rose, author of The Most Dangerous Superstition. Once you accept the principle of government, namely that there must be a judicial monopoly and the power to tax, once you accept this principle incorrectly as a just principle, then any idea or any notion of restraining or limiting government power and safeguarding individual liberty and property becomes illusory. Rather, under monopolistic auspices, the price of justice and protection will continually rise, and the quality of justice and protection will continually fall. A tax-funded protection agency is a contradiction in terms. That is, it is an expropriating property protector. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., Economy, Society, and History, 2021, Mises Institute, page 174. One thing people miss about market competition is competition to cooperate. The landscaping companies that advertise in my neighborhood are competing against each other, sure. 
Yet what they compete for is the opportunity to cooperate, to make mutually beneficial, reciprocal trades with people in my neighborhood. It's a contest to decide who gets to serve others. Jason Brennan, PhD, Why It's Okay to Want to Be Rich, 2021, Routledge, page 86. If there is one well-established truth in political economy, it is this. That in all cases, for all commodities that serve to provide for the tangible or intangible needs of the consumer, it is in the consumer's best interest that labor and trade remain free, because the freedom of labor and of trade have as their necessary and permanent result the maximum reduction of price. And this, that the interests of the consumer of any commodity whatsoever should always prevail over the interests of the producer. Now in pursuing these principles, one arrives at this rigorous conclusion, that the production of security should, in the interests of the consumers of this intangible commodity, remain subject to the law of free competition. Whence it follows, that no government should have the right to prevent another government from going into competition with it, or to require consumers of security to come exclusively to it for this commodity. Gustav de Molinari, The Production of Security, 1849-2009, Mises Institute, page 23. We don't oppose the state's wars because they'll be counterproductive or overextend the state's forces. We oppose them because mass murder based on lies can never be morally acceptable. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr. To kill one man is to be guilty of a capital crime. To kill ten men is to increase the guilt tenfold. To kill a hundred men is to increase it a hundredfold. This the rulers of the earth all recognize. And yet when it comes to the greatest crime, waging war on another state, they praise it. If a man on seeing a little black were to say it is black, but on seeing a lot of black were to say it is white, it would be clear that such a man could not distinguish black and white. So those who recognize a small crime as such, but do not recognize the wickedness of the greatest crime of all, cannot distinguish right and wrong. Mosey, 470-391 BC, Condemnation of Offensive War 1, Book 5. T. Here's no such thing as, objective news. When I choose to do a story, you choose to do a story, we do so for a particular reason. There is a near infinity of stories that you could do at any point during the day. And the ones that you choose are because it fits your particular goal. Stefan Molyneux, M.A., in Mike Cernovich's hoaxed, Everything They Told You Is a Lie, 2018, R.R. Boker LLC. There is no such thing as gun control. There is only centralizing gun ownership in the hands of a small political elite and their minions. Stefan Molyneux, M.A. Formulation 1. Justice is respect for the rights of individuals and associations. 1. The right of several property specifies a right to acquire, possess, use, and dispose of scarce physical resources, including their own bodies. Resources may be used in any way that does not physically interfere with other person's use and enjoyment of their resources. While most property rights are freely alienable, the right to one's person is inalienable. 2. The right of first possession specifies that property rights to unowned resources are acquired by being the first to establish control over them. 3. 
the right of freedom of contract specifies that a right holder's consent is both necessary, freedom from contract, and sufficient, freedom to contract, to transfer alienable property rights. Randy Barnett, J.D., The Structure of Liberty, Justice and the Rule of Law, 1998, 2014, Oxford University Press, page 83. Falsehood is a recognized and extremely useful weapon in warfare, and every country uses it quite deliberately to deceive its own people, to attract neutrals, and mislead the enemy. The ignorant and innocent masses in each country are unaware at the time that they are being misled, and when it is all over only here and there are the falsehoods discovered and exposed. T. The authorities in each country do, and indeed must, resort to this practice and in order, first, to justify themselves by depicting the enemy as an undiluted criminal, and secondly to inflame popular passion sufficiently to secure recruits for the continuance of the struggle. People must never be allowed to become despondent, so victories must be exaggerated and defeats, if not concealed, at any rate minimized, and the stimulus of indignation, horror, and hatred must be assiduously and continuously pumped into the public mind by means of propaganda. The public can be worked up emotionally by sham ideals. A sort of collective hysteria spreads and rises until finally it gets the better of sober people and reputable newspapers. Arthur Ponsonby, Falsehood in Wartime, 1928, Unwin Brothers Limited, pages 13 to 14. Protectionism is a misnomer. The only people protected by tariffs, quotas and trade restrictions are those engaged in uneconomic and wasteful activity. Free trade is the only philosophy compatible with international peace and prosperity. Walter Block, Ph.D. Once admit any right of secession whatever, and there is no logical stopping point short of the right of individual secession, which logically entails anarchism, since then individuals may secede and patronize their own defense agencies, and the state has crumbled. Murray N. Rothbard, Ph.D., The Ethics of Liberty, 1982, 2016, New York University Press, page 182. Prior to capitalism, the way people amassed great wealth was by looting, plundering and enslaving their fellow man. Capitalism made it possible to become wealthy by serving your fellow man. Walter E. Williams, Ph.D., I Love Greed, Jan. 2012, Creators.com. All initiation of force is a violation of someone else's rights, whether initiated by an individual or the state, for the benefit of an individual or group of individuals. Congressman Ron Paul. Is it really a surprise that as the government gets bigger and bigger and bigger, everything in life becomes more and more hyper-political? When you think about it, right, there are such profound differences that people have. You will have right now in this audience. A Christian sitting next to an atheist, the most profound difference in belief, one person believes that the person next to them is going to burn in a pit of hell forever, and that atheist looks over at you and believes you are delusional. But you're fine. Like, you're not going to war, because it's separated from politics. Now if tomorrow there was going to be a vote over whether the government is Christian or atheist, those people start going to war, because they're warring over.
who rules over you, and sir, the problem with all of this, with comedy and with everything else online, it's not that we have differences, it's that we have political differences. Politics is poison, and that's why you want to reduce the size of government. Dave Smith, host of, Part of the Problem, podcast, in a panel discussion at Freedom Fest in Rapid City, South Dakota on July 22, 2021. Government should never be able to do anything you can't do. Congressman Ron Paul. W. Hen, we're truly free. It doesn't mean there won't be any evil in the world. In fact, a stateless society is a recognition of the fact that evil exists and the first place that evil doers go is to the state, to gain control over the state. I. F. Human beings are all good, we don't need a state. If human beings are all evil we can't afford the state. If human beings are mostly evil and only somewhat good, then the mostly evil people vote for democratic policies that overwhelm and subjugate the good people. If people are mostly good and only somewhat evil, which is my belief, then the good people become the tax livestock controlled by the evil people who swarm to the state to gain control over the good. There was no scenario of any admixture of good and evil which justifies the existence of the state. The state is a giant magnet for monsters in human form. Stefan Molyneux, M.A. Here's the difference. In capitalism, people have risked their lives to save their dogs. In socialism, people kill their dogs to save their own lives. That's why people risk their lives to migrate to the United States of America. And that's why people risk their lives to migrate from Venezuela, North Korea, and Cuba. Johan Norberg, Lesson from Sweden, 2018, The Fund for American Studies. Half the harm that is done in this world is due to people who want to feel important. They don't mean to do harm, but the harm does not interest them. Or they do not see it, or they justify it because they are absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. T.S. Eliot, The Cocktail Party, 1950-1974, Faber and Faber, page 111. I don't think people understand how severely outdated and therefore overpriced education is in this country, and really everywhere. If this was not the most state-subsidized industry, what we traditionally understand as K-12 or higher education would be completely eliminated. Right now, it is just traditional bullshit that is propped up by way of the taxpayer and doesn't function as an actual market. Which is why, despite accessibility to information and communication being at an all-time high. So is the cost, spending on said, education. As an example, if the Department of Education was abolished alongside the elimination of government grants and loans, you'd see the entire industry of, education, changed in ways you couldn't even personally perceive. Eric July, host of, For Canon's Sake. It must also be remembered that, unless men are left to their own resources, they do not know what is or what is not possible for them. If government half a century ago had provided us all with dinners and breakfasts, it would be the practice of our orators today to assume the impossibility of our providing for ourselves. Oberon Herbert, State Education. A help or hindrance, 1880. What we voluntarists believe, 
The self-owner is owner of his own mind and body and his own property. No peaceful, non-aggressive citizen can be submitted to the control of others, apart from his own consent. The moral rights of a delegated body, such as a government, can never be greater than the moral rights of the individuals who delegated to it its power. Force can only be used, whether by an individual or by a government makes no difference, for defensive purposes, never for aggressive purposes. Oberon Herbert, The Principles of Voluntarism and Free Life, 1885 we voluntarists believe that no true progress can be made until we frankly recognize the great truth that every individual who lives within the sphere of his own rights as a self-owner and has not himself first aggressed upon others by employing force or fraud in his dealings with them and thus deprived himself of his own rights of self-ownership by aggressing upon these same rights of others is the only one true owner of his own faculties and his own property. Because free countries have affirmed many years ago that a compulsory church rate is immoral and oppressive. For the sake of the burden laid upon individual consciences, and in affirming this truth they have unconsciously affirmed the wider truth, that every tax or rate, forcibly taken from an unwilling person, is immoral and oppressive. The human conscience knows no distinction between church rates and other compulsory rates and taxes. The sin lies in the disregarding of each other's convictions, and is not affected by the subject matter of the tax. Oberon Herbert, The Principles of Voluntarism and Free Life, 1885 There is one and only one principle, on which you can build a true, rightful, enduring and progressive civilization, which can give peace and friendliness and contentment to all differing groups and sects into which we are divided and that principle is that every man and woman should be held by us all sacredly and religiously to be the one true owner of his or her faculties, of his or her body and mind, and of all property, inherited or, honestly acquired. There is no other possible foundation, seek it wherever you will, on which you can build. If you honestly mean to make this world a place of peace and friendship, where progress of every kind, like a full river fed by its many streams, may flow on its happy fertilizing course, with ever-broadening and deepening volume. Deny that self-ownership, that self-guidance of the individual, and however fine our professed motives may be, we must sooner or later, in a world without rights, become like animals who prey on each other. Deny human rights. And however little you may wish to do so, you will find yourself abjectly kneeling at the feet of that old world god. Force, that grimmest and ugliest of gods that men have ever carved for themselves out of the lusts of their hearts. You will find yourselves hating and dreading all other men who differ from you. You will find yourselves obliged by the law of conflict into which you have plunged. To use every means in your power to crush them before they are able to crush you. You will find yourselves day by day growing more unscrupulous and intolerant, more and more compelled by the fear of those opposed to you, to commit harsh and violent actions, of which you would once have said, Is thy servant a dog that he should do these things? You will find yourselves clinging to and welcoming force, as the one and only form of protection left to you, when you have destroyed the rule of the great principles. Ober and Herbert 
A Plea for Voluntaryism, 1908. Hence my complaint against copyright. It violates the natural and common law rights that we would otherwise enjoy to freely use our voices, pens, and presses. Tom W. Bell, J.D., Intellectual Privilege, Copyright, Common Law, and the Common Good, 2014, Mercatus Center at George Mason University, page 2. Do you like having options when you look for a new bank, dry cleaner, or veterinarian? Of course you do. You want to find the service that will best satisfy your particular demands, after all, and you know that when banks, cleaners, and vets have to compete they have a powerful incentive to make you happy. A monopoly, in contrast, can take its customers for granted. Polycentric law simply extends that observation from commercial services to government ones. Just as competition makes life better for those who seek banking, cleaning, and pet care services, it can benefit those seeking fair and efficient legal systems. Competition helps consumers and citizens alike. Tom W. Bell, J.D. What is Polycentric Law? 2014, Foundation for Economic Education. Hobbes was wrong, on both counts. Individuals have secured property protection and social cooperation without government and still do. Moreover, in much of the world, government has proved to be the greatest depredator of property rights, creator of conflict, and instigator of chaos, rather than an innocuous antidote to anarchic afflictions. Governance, social rules that protect individuals' property and institutions of their enforcement, doesn't require government, which is but one means of supplying governance. Hobbes overlooked the possibility of self-governance, privately created social rules and institutions of their enforcement. He also underestimated the possibility of truly horrible governments. Peter T. Leeson, Ph.D., Anarchy Unbound, Why Self-Governance Works Better Than You Think, 2014, Cambridge University Press, page 1. They'll think that it's a real comeback against us to say, hey you, don't forget we live in a society. Of course we know we live in a society. That's why we're against the state because the state disrupts the normal, healthy interactions of human beings that comprise society, because the state by its nature pits society against itself. Now we're pitted against each other because some people wear masks and some don't, and now we're yelling, you don't listen to science. This wouldn't have happened if that hadn't been politicized. Or then they'll say, well, this group gets a special subsidy, and this industry gets this. So now we're pitted against each other because of that. So it's because we like society, we like peace and normal human interaction, that we're against the state. It's not that we're against society. Of course these schmucks want to confuse society and the state, because the state wants to take credit for all the good things we have in society, but I refuse to give them the credit. The state is a parasite that shows up later. Society is all the good things that we do spontaneously, and then the state takes credit for it, and then we're told if we're against the state we're against society. Thomas E. Woods Jr., Ph.D. On, Kib on Liberty, with Matt Kibb. Christianity, with its doctrine of humility, of forgiveness, of love, is incompatible with the state, with its haughtiness, its violence, 
its punishment, its wars. Leo Tolstoy, a Christian anarchist and pacifist. I have never understood how the religion whose heart is that God is love and that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves can give rise to wars that are absolutely unjustifiable and unacceptable relative to the revelation of Jesus. Jacques Elor, a French philosopher and Christian anarchist. The logic of the market is predicated on the pervasive and glorious inequality of man. No two people have the same scales of values, talents, or ambitions. It is this radical inequality, and the freedom to choose our own lot in life, that makes possible the division of labor and exchange. Through money and contracts, markets allow us to settle differences to our mutual advantage. The result, and here is why people call the market miraculous, is a vast, productive system of international cooperation that meets an incomprehensibly huge range of human needs, and finds a special role for everyone to participate in building prosperity. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, page 69. The government exists outside the matrix of exchange. There are no market prices for the goods and services it endeavors to produce. The revenue it receives is not a reward for social service, but rather money extracted from the public by force. It is not spent with an eye to return on investment. As a result there is no means for the government to calculate its own profits and losses. Its inability to calculate with attention to economic rationality is the downfall of governments everywhere. Its decision-making is ultimately economically arbitrary and politically motivated. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, pages 64-65. Lasting prosperity can only come about through a system that allows people to cooperate to their mutual advantage. Innovate and invest in an environment of freedom, retain earnings as private property, and save generation to generation without fear of having estates looted through taxation and inflation. Human effort in the framework of a market economy. This is the source of wealth. This is the means by which a rising population is fed, clothed, and housed. This is the method by which even the poorest country can become rich. Llewellyn H. Rockwell Jr., The Left, The Right, and The State, 2008, Mises Institute, page 53. What all these moral crusades have in common is their moral exaltation of the anointed above others, who are to have their very different views nullified and superseded by the views of the anointed, imposed via the power of government. Despite the great variety of issues in a series of crusading movements among the intelligentsia during the 20th century, several key elements have been common to most of them assertions of a great danger to the whole of society, a danger to which the masses of people are oblivious. An urgent need for action to avert impending catastrophe. A need for government to drastically curtail the dangerous behavior of the many, in response to the prescient conclusions of the few. A disdainful dismissal of arguments to the contrary as either uninformed, irresponsible, or motivated by unworthy purposes. Thomas Sowell, Ph.D., The Vision of the Anointed, Self-Congratulations as a Basis for Social Policy, 1995, Basic Books, page 5.
The battle is won when the average American regards a corporate journalist exactly as they regard a tobacco executive. Michael Malice, author of Dear Reader, the unauthorized biography of Kim Jong-il. Authority can be summed up as the right to rule. Do not complicate things. Don't have a laundry list of different things you want the statist to believe and agree with you about. Accomplish the one thing of helping him give up the belief in authority, and over time he will extrapolate most of the other things that matter. Larkin Rose, Candles in the Dark, Seminar, 2017 Even if we do not see our ideas triumph during our lifetime, we will know and be eternally proud that we gave it our all, and that we did what every honest and noble person had to do. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D. Were it necessary to bring a majority into a comprehension of the libertarian philosophy, the cause of liberty would be utterly hopeless. Every significant movement in history has been led by one or just a few individuals with a small minority of energetic supporters. Leonard E. Reed, How to Advance Liberty, from a lecture given on March 10, 1965. The case against anarchism is also subject to a powerful reductio ad absurdum. If the U.S. is needed to keep Smith and Jones from creating mayhem against each other, then what about governments themselves? Must they not be kept apart from one another? At present, Albania and Argentina are in a state of anarchy with each other. That is, there is no world government to act as a referee between them. The exact same situation applies to Bolivia and Burundi, to Canada and Chile, to Denmark and the Dominican Republic, to Egypt and Ecuador, to France and Finland, to Greece and Ghana, to Haiti and Hungary, to Ireland and Israel, to Japan and Jamaica, to Korea and Kenya, to Luxembourg and Liberia, to Mexico and Morocco, to Netherlands and New Zealand. Walter Block, Ph.D., Defending the Undefendable I. 2021, Springer Nature, page X. Special interest legislation is inherent in the very nature of government. On the free market, the network of voluntary exchanges, all activity is based on individual liberty and results in mutually beneficial outcomes. The competitive profit and loss mechanism incentivizes individuals to produce goods and services that consumers desire. However, the government, the legitimated monopoly of power, lacks this mechanism and produces outcomes that are harmful to society. The incentive structure is different. Unlike the invisible hand of the market, individuals that control the coercive visible hand are encouraged to pass legislation that benefits themselves at the expense of others. The stronger the government, the more lucrative the rewards. To control the government machinery is to control the levers of cronyism. Patrick Newman, Ph.D., Cronyism, Liberty versus Power in America, 1607-1849, 2021, Mises Institute, page 13. We should compare the outcome of some event or policy to the alternative timeline in which that event never happened or that policy was never put in place. We should not compare before and after only. This alternative timeline, the what would have been, is called counterfactual. Economics is all about counterfactuals because economics is all about choices. A choice is choosing one course of action over all others. 
The next best course of action is the counterfactual, and the value of that next best course of action is called the opportunity cost of the choice. Moreover, taxes and inflation do not bring about new resources, they only increase the amount of our resources that are consumed according to politicians' and bureaucrats' preferences. Jonathan Newman, Ph.D., The Broken Window, 2021 The private sector of the economy is, in fact, the voluntary sector, and the public sector is, in fact, the coercive sector. The voluntary sector is made up of goods and services for which people voluntarily spend the money they have earned. The coercive sector is made up of the goods and services that are provided, regardless of the wishes of the individual, out of taxes that are seized from him. Henry Hazlett, journalist and author of Economics in One Lesson. Free Association. The Only True Form of Society. Pierre-Joseph Proudhon founder of the mutualist philosophy. A democratic vote is like the captain of a ship having to consult every passenger about the best course to chart through an approaching storm. The School of Life, Philosophy in 40 Ideas, 2020, page 13. It is absurd to believe that an agency which may tax without consent can be a property protector. Likewise, it is absurd to believe that an agency with legislative powers can preserve law and order. Hans Hermann Hoppe, Ph.D., Democracy, The God That Failed, 2001, 2017, Routledge, page 279. To many people, even today, high profits are often attributed to high prices charged by those motivated by greed. In reality, most of the great fortunes in American history have resulted from someone's figuring out how to reduce costs, so as to be able to charge lower prices and therefore gain a mass market for the product. Henry Ford did this with automobiles, Rockefeller with oil, Carnegie with steel, and Sears, Penny, Walton and other department store chain founders with a variety of products. A supermarket chain in a capitalist economy can be very successful charging prices that allow about a penny of clear profit on each dollar of sales. Thomas Sowell, Ph.D., Basic Economics, 2015, Basic Books, page 165. Human beings really only have two organizing principles, right? We either cooperate with each other, and that's exactly what it sounds like. We all find a way to negotiate our way through life day to day, or we use the force of government to coerce one another. James R. Harrigan, Ph.D., author of Cooperation and Coercion, How Busybodies Became Busybellies and What That Means for Economics and Politics. War not only destroys the lives and limbs of the soldiery, but, by progressively consuming the accumulated capital stock of the belligerent nations, eventually shortens and coarsens the lives and shrivels the limbs of the civilian population. The enormous destruction of productive wealth that war entails would become immediately evident if governments had no recourse but to raise taxes immediately upon the advent of hostilities. Their ability to inflate the money supply at will permits them to conceal such destruction behind a veil of rising prices, profits, and wages, stable interest rates, and a booming stock market. Joseph Salerno, Ph.D., War and the Money Machine, Concealing the Costs of War Beneath the Veil of Inflation, August, 
2021, Mises.org. Carl Menger sought to explain prices as the outcome of the purposeful. Voluntary interactions of buyers and sellers, each guided by their own, subjective evaluations of the usefulness of various goods and services in satisfying their objectives, what we now call marginal utility, a term later coined by Friedrich von Wieser. Trade is thus the result of people's deliberate attempts to improve their well-being, not an innate propensity to truck, barter, and exchange, as suggested by Adam Smith. The exact quantities of goods exchanged, their prices, in other words, are determined by the values individuals attach to marginal units of these goods. With a single buyer and seller, goods are exchanged as long as participants can agree on an exchange ratio that leaves each better off than he was before. Peter G. Klein, Ph.D., Menger the Revolutionary, November. 2021, Mises.org. In one sense, anarchism is nothing more than the declaration that, you do not speak for me. Everything else is just implementation. Outsourcing the delivery of security is no different than outsourcing the delivery of food. Anarchism is not a location. Anarchism is a relationship, one in which none of the parties has authority over the other. Michael Malice, The Anarchist Handbook, 2021, pages 1-2. I call this the three-axes model of political communication. A progressive will communicate along the oppressor-oppressed axis, framing issues in terms of the P dichotomy. A conservative will communicate along the civilization-barbarism axis, framing issues in terms of the C dichotomy. A libertarian will communicate along the liberty-coercion axis, framing issues in terms of the L dichotomy. Arnold Kling, Ph.D., The Three Languages of Politics, Talking Across the Political Divides, 2017, Cato Institute, page 5. In the private sector, firms must attract voluntary customers or they fail. And if they fail, investors lose their money, and managers and employees lose their jobs. The possibility of failure, therefore, is a powerful incentive to find out what customers want and to deliver it efficiently. But in the government sector, failures are not punished, they are rewarded. If a government agency is set up to deal with a problem and the problem gets worse, the agency is rewarded with more money and more staff, because, after all, its task is now bigger. An agency that fails year after year, that does not simply fail to solve the problem but actually makes it worse, will be rewarded with an ever-increasing budget. David Boaz, Liberating Schools, Education in the Inner City, 1991, Cato Institute. Rather, I only want to shed some light on the principal strategy that all statists, from the late Middle Ages on until today, have pursued to reach their statist ends, so as to also gain, if only indirectly, some insight into any possible counter-strategy that could lead us out of the current predicament. Not back to the Middle Ages. Of course, because too many permanent and irreversible changes have taken place since, both in regard to our mental and our material conditions and capacities, but for a new society that takes its cues from the study of the Middle Ages and understands and knows of the principal reason for its demise. The strategy was dictated by the quasi-libertarian, 
stateless medieval starting point, and it suggested itself, naturally, first and foremost to the top ranks of social authority, in particular to feudal kings. In a nutshell, it boils down to this rule. Instead of remaining a mere primus inter pairs, you must become a solus primus, and to do this you must undermine, weaken, and ultimately eliminate all competing authorities and hierarchies of social authority. Beginning at the highest levels of authority. With your most immediate competitors. And from there on down. Ultimately. To the most elementary and decentralized level of social authority invested in the heads of individual family households. You, every statist, must use your own initial authority to undermine each and every rival authority and strip away its right to independently judge, discriminate, sentence, and punish within its own territorially limited realm of authority. Kings other than you must no longer be allowed to freely determine who is another or the next king, who is to be included or excluded from the rank of kings, or who may come before them for justice and assistance. And likewise for all other levels of social authority, for noble lords and vassals as well as all separate local communities, orders, associations, and ultimately all individual family households. No one must be free to autonomously determine his own rules of admission and exclusion. That is, to determine who is supposed to be, in, or, out, the conduct to expect of those who are, in, and want to remain in good standing and what member conduct instead results in various sanctions, ranging from disapproval, censure, and fines to expulsion and corporal punishment. And how to accomplish this and centralize and consolidate all authority in the hands of a single territorial monopolist, first an absolute monarch and subsequently a democratic state? By enlisting the support of everyone resentful of not being included or promoted in some particular community, association, or social rank, or of being expelled from them and, unfairly, punished. Against this, unfair discrimination, you, the state or would-be state, promise to get the excluded, victims, in and help them get a, fair, and, non-discriminating, treatment in return for their binding commitment to and affiliation with you. On every level of social authority, whenever and wherever the opportunity arises, you encourage and promote, deviant behavior, and, deviants, and enlist their support in order to expand and strengthen your own authority at the expense of all others. Accordingly, the principal counter-strategy of re-civilization, then, must be a return to, normality, by means of decentralization. The process of territorial expansion that went hand in hand with the centralization of all authority in one monopolistic hand must be reversed. Each and every secessionist tendency and movement, then, should be supported and promoted, because with every territorial separation from the central state another separate and rival center of authority and adjudication is created. And the same tendency should be promoted within the framework of any newly created separate and independent territory and center of authority. That is, any voluntary membership organization, association, order, club, or even household within the new territory should be free to independently determine its own house rules, i.e., its rules of inclusion, of sanctions, and of exclusion, 
so as to successively replace the current statist system of forced territorial and legal integration and uniformation with a natural, quasi-organic social order of voluntary territorial and legal customary association and dissociation. Moreover, as an important addition, in order to safeguard this order of increasingly decentralized centers, ranks, and hierarchies of natural social authority from internal corruption or external foreign attack, each newly re-emerging social authority should be encouraged to build as wide as possible a network with similarly placed and like-minded authorities in other foreign territories and jurisdictions for the purpose of mutual assistance in case of need. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., The Great Fiction, 2021, Mises Institute, pages 484 to 486. Let me explain why I am convinced that these questions must be answered in the negative. That is why we have some reason to be optimistic. First off, it should be noticed that what we see in front of our very own eyes, that is, social democracy and welfare warfare statism, is itself the result of a revolution. Someone who, around the mid-19th century, would have advocated the policies, laws, and institutions that our democratic republican rulers, the mass media, our so-called intellectual elites, and much of public opinion, would, nowadays regard as normal and self-evident, would then 150 years ago have been regarded as a dangerous revolutionary. More precisely, he would have been considered a communist. Just take a look for instance at the Communist Manifesto of 1848 and the political planks that are contained in this manifesto. Most of what was then considered to be the agenda of nuts has in the meantime become political reality, and what would have been called then as three-quarters communism is nowadays called liberalism. Now surely this change must be called a revolution. And just as surely then, if a socialist revolution is possible, why not also a classical liberal, libertarian revolution? Now, indeed, as Murray Rothbard has shown in his historical writings, the original American Revolution was, to a large extent, a classical liberal, libertarian revolution, and such a thing, then, that has happened in the past can hardly be considered an impossibility. Hans Hermann Hopper, Ph.D., How America Can Be Saved, from a lecture at the Mises Institute Supporters Summit, San Francisco, Feb. 1996.